0: You're listening to the Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host, as always. Today, we are talking about the build process. Geez, it's a really hot topic right now. What's going on? Prices moving. The market is just a real mess in terms of trade availability. But we thought we'd strip it right back down to the basics of getting everyone who's listening to get a really good understanding of what happens from the site supervisor, the construction manager, the construction supervisor, whatever they're called at the specific building company, when they get it in their hands... What actually happens from that point in time all the way through to handover when you get the keys and it's nice and shiny? So it's a, it's really quite a, an interesting process. And I thought I would get my mate Carl Hardy-White in. He's a construction supervisor for one of Perth's top building companies to have a chat about exactly how that life is for you carl thanks for coming in
1: cheers Trent. thanks for having me mate it's a busy time to be alive a busy time to be a construction manager that's for sure
0: i tell you what it must be a pretty uh good feeling to know that if you left your job today you'd have another one tomorrow
1: yeah oh it's comforting as i'm sure most people would find it but uh each industry has its ups and downs and probably i'd say 16 months to maybe two years ago it was a complete opposite where yeah companies were making people redundant both staff on site trades were obviously readily available so it's a vast contrast from then to now as
0: well. It's so. a, it is, you're right. It's a massive change. A few years ago, you had probably a lot of people sitting on the sidelines yep. who were probably going back on the tools, who have been promoted to construction supervisor for a while, and then they lost their job, and they're straight back to being a chippy or a bricky because they just aren't that many jobs out available now. I guess a lot of them are getting a promotion again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, most people want consistency. They want that. They know where their work's coming from. They know that they've got work ahead of them, not just for a couple of weeks, months, but you know, years. They want that loyalty and when the work's just not there, a lot of guys had to go work away or moved over east you know, for more consistent money, basically. So a lot of good people have actually left the industry and slowly coming back, but you probably want to get them all back like you did once before.
0: Do you reckon given the change in trade rates, which we'll talk about in, uh, in the future, possibly some of the guys you're hiring are getting paid more than you right now? Oh, easily. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. a bit crazy? Does it yeah. make you want to go back on the tools? nah
1: <laughs> i'm a cabin maker by trade and i love my craft but uh no nah, there's a reason i left it and most people want progression i want progression but to go back to being a cabin maker probably would take me back financially but uh definitely not you know on this seven-figure wage that most people think supervisors (laughs) and that that are on. Yeah, drive around, have a coffee and have a yarn all day and that's good money. but
0: Hey, look, to be a construction manager is a lot of responsibility. It takes a few years to get up to that level. So, will you be able to give us a little bit of an example as to your progression from when you started? What does it take to get up to that construction manager, construction supervisor level, whether you're a chippy or a brickie or a plumber? How does it work? Do you need to have a license? Let's explain it to everyone so they know really how much work you've put in to get to where you are today.
1: Yeah, so... Honestly, it's it's not an extremely hard avenue to go down. It's extremely challenging and a lot to learn once you get into it. So I finished my apprenticeship with cabin maker. I wanted to get somewhere financially and I wasn't doing so where I was. So I went and worked away in the mines like most people do. Went and worked underground for two years, bought a house, traveled a lot. There is select companies in the industry, not so many now, but back in the boom around 2015, 16, around that time, that will give people are traineeships so long as you've got a trade and there's main trades usually cabinet makers carpenters you know the real finesse trades uh, and there's not many you know plumbing supervisors or uh, sparkies out there that do this job why they, they exist but there's not as much of a broad knowledge of building as what you get with with specific trades especially you know main, most of them you speak to uh, either bricky chibi or cabin makers because they just have a broad broader knowledge and they have a finer detail so
0: well it's all about the finished product isn't it
1: exactly right so if you can get someone that's already got an eye you can generally teach them the rest or adapt so
0: okay so you spent a few years as a cabinet maker yep. figured that you wanted to progress your career in the industry and then what happened
1: uh so i applied for a traineeship with another builder uh perf which i got had a few interviews and obviously they liked me presented my my case got the job and then quite literally you go with the supervisor you get to a bit, of, you know, basically shown the ropes, what you got to do. Then you get around, and most people don't realize you don't need to be some engineer. You don't need to have all these degrees. You do need to have knowledge, and you do need to be able to basically sink or swim and be able to swim. So you learn as you go because there's certain things that you can only teach by doing. Well, it's an experience-based um, job, isn't it? At the yeah. end of
0: the day, your job is now turned into a project management job, right? Exactly. You have to subcontract all the trades that build this thing. Yeah, exactly So right. do you need a license to do your job?
1: No, not to do my job. You, it's It would be handy, obviously, or if, if I eventually wanted to go and build my own homes or do my own business, then yes, you would. But to be an actual just supervisor like me, no, it's not, it's not essential anyway. Okay, so the
0: license sits above you yeah. in the business and yeah. then you're essentially an agent of that license, project managing correct. all the trades on behalf of the license. The license then holds the warranty and the risk.
1: Yeah, correct, exactly. So I think a lot of people don't know, as a site supervisor, we are still responsible for the safety even more so now yeah i can come to site and say trent you got to put your your boots on and you've had thongs on if i leave um and you cut your foot off i'm i'm responsible for that that still falls onto me because that's i'm in control of that site so even though i work for the builder i still answer for those things and again that's what a lot of people don't understand is we answer and are in control of that site so we answer for the whole lot
0: Okay. So, now we know essentially who we're talking about here. It's the construction supervisor is that trade that has moved into more of a project management role after years of experience being a part of the building process. You understand how it works. Mm -hmm. You've, You've had your time underneath another building supervisor to get to that point where you can run it yourself. Then we get to a point where obviously us as a client have got our, our plans through a DA. We've got our finance. We've got all the working drawings pushed through. At what point do you get involved, Carl?
1: There's two different ways. Some builders will do it where the supervisor will take over from the, the site work. So when you start doing all the site works to get a slab down, to get all your drains in, get all your retaining walls up or things like that, pull walls down where necessary. But certain builders like the builder I work for, once we have a subfloor guy, so he does all of that from basically when your contract's ready to go to site up until your slab goes down. Once your slab goes down and you're ready to start brickwork, then we take over. Okay. So then the tra- job gets transferred to us. We go there, make sure your drains the so walls are in, ready to go, get the site leveled off, ready for brickload. And then from there to literally when you get your keys is where you're where your main man.
0: So in that you've you've covered a lot of jobs straight away in that mm. space. We've got all the prelays happening. Uh, so this is the stuff before the slab goes down, and that's something that a lot of clients I think struggle with sometimes. Is they think, well, I've got my finance. We're going to site. Slab should be down next week. Yeah, there's a lot of work nah. that happens before a slab going down, right? Exactly right. We uh, you, you spoke about before. Obviously, stormwater has to go in. This is this is the your, your big soak wells that would sit underneath the the paving normally. Uh, and if it's a slopey site, you'd have to put your retaining in first too. So there's a few contractors you're having to schedule in and get going there with, with their time frames. Your plumber, obviously, getting that stuff going through. Uh, and then obviously, you're get, getting your guy with a bobcat out to get the site ready before the concrete goes down, right?
1: Yeah. Well, quite literally, you've got all of those things. So you, you get your bobcat after you start to prep it for the bricks, but... Like you say, I've got a lot of my areas more so in existing areas. So like your Belmont, Cloverdales, St. James, Eastwick Park, you know, all the older areas. So the houses are house behind houses. So they get to get subdivided or the fencing changed. You know, if they're on hills, like you say, you've got to have fencing removed, retaining put in to control the level from one site to the next. Dealing with neighbours, getting yeah, consent forms. Yeah, I, I don't personally deal with that stuff. Our sub, floor guy does. But the documents, the even just, you know, having to liaise between our client, and three other neighbours around is, is not easy. You know, yeah, and keeping I, them happy along the yeah, way as well. Hats off to those guys. One, you gotta satisfy our client, but then be satisfy and work in with their neighbours and not everyone's uh not everyone's easy to get along with, I can guarantee you that.
0: So best case scenario, how long does it normally take from when that job has gotten loaded to a point of let's get scheduling to actually getting a slab down? What's the normal time frame?
1: But the bigger blocks you can be looking, you know, sometimes two months. Can has a bit approvals as well. Sometimes something won't work on site, needs to be changed, has to be re you know, plans reissued, re re approved. So then
0: you've got to order the concrete truck,
1: then you got the concrete, then you know, and again, even things now that most people aren't factoring is. There's shortage of concrete. There's hundreds of builders trying to put down thousands of slabs all at the same time. And it's not the fact of, oh, the builder didn't book my slab. And it's just the manufacturers can only produce so much concrete a day. They can only buy so much of the material that makes their concrete a day. There's only so many mixing trucks. Exactly. There's only so many. You know, and old mate Joe has a big weekend, needs to have Monday off. There's one less truck that can go do a slab. You know, Then that slab needs to get pushed. And, and so on, you multiply that across all the builder's across all the areas, all the, you know, owner-builders and it's a big it's a big system there yeah. um, with a lot of wheels that, yeah, each contributes to the next.
0: Now, I guess the most controversial part of the build that's happening right now, which we'll talk about later on, is the bricklaying. We've got a lot of clients ourselves, so we'll get a slab down, but it could take two, three months now before a bricky team actually gets to site because they're so busy and uh, they're charging through the nose right now, whereas only a year ago, you know, they were that site two weeks after
1: yeah mate you bang on there was there was a period probably earlier last year back into the year before in 2019 where from slab down to handover i could get houses a pretty standard house anywhere from 20 to 25 weeks from slab down to handover now like you say you're looking at anywhere from 10 to 16 weeks or so for a a bricklayer and that's across the industry Mm. yeah it's uh, it's just a bottleneck you've got all this volume of work I don't only so many trades to do it. The um, same point; it's all well and good for people to jump on and down and say, "Yeah, we want a bricklayer. It's you know, we, we got to get it built." But there is still quality you got to adhere to. There is still building regulations you got to adhere to, and there is no point getting a guy down the road with a bill wheelbarrow that can have a mixer that can do cement and chuck a brick on top of each other. There is a lot more to it, mm-hmm. so it's, it's fickle. And like I say because there's so much work trades have the ability to dictate more so what what they want to get paid and what they're prepared to work for where they're prepared to work the type of job they're prepared to do obviously you know you got two stories you got duplexes you got multi-house developments you've got zero lot boundary houses so uh,
0: and i think that's a, I think what we'll do is we'll make an episode about that and yeah. we'll talk about that uh, in the future all right so brickies are getting there we've got termite protection how does that work and when does that happen
1: yep so you got your termite protection usually with your barrier anywhere from zero to 200 mil from your boundary so your garage walls most like most of the time you get your termite barrier in once they get up to your zero course then you brick up from there. So is that the mesh you see Uh, generally the green blanket like termite blanket um if you've got a cavity wall that's on your boundary as well then you usually get your granules and that as well you can also upgrade and get your termy mesh so it's like a mesh that literally you get your brickwork all the way around your slab to zero same height as your slab then a mesh goes all the way around so you can't actually get they can't actually get up in your cavity Mm. uh that's not industry standard it's more so an upgrade so people pay for it just as a upper level of protection basically so and then with your final protection barrier you get a spray under your garage as well before that gets poured and then once the site's finished where we're complete with our site works the exterior we get the same company back and they would generally do a perimeter treatment as well so stick a rod in the ground injects the chemical all the way around the site and you'll get a warranty for that as well as your 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 garage wall treatment and your pre-slab treatment
0: once you've got the termite protection in you've got your bricks up to what we call plate height I want to explain what that means and then what happens after that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So once you've got your brickwork up to plate height, that's when your bricklayer is complete. So plate is the top of the brickwork and from there your, your timber will kick off, your roof frame kicks off from there. So the the, the timber batten that the chippies actually go around and put on top of the brickwork is called your plate. So that's where you get your, your your phrase, your plate height. So yeah, you hit plate height, generally get your site cleaned up, get all your timber loaded, your steels, everything for your roof frame. Then your chippy will come along, he'll build your roof frame. Your standard, say, 250 square meter house, average team will take about a week. If you work it off about a week, you can generally get that done with no, not too many drums. Then he'll finish, then you generally will get your roof plumbers in to do your guttering, or your electrician for your electrical tubing chasing your plumber in for all the your gas and water tubing and all your walls and your cavities throughout then you get your roof cover on and then generally from roof cover you don't have too many other delays your rain can affect to the outside but you can generally then crack on the inside your plastering or dry lining ceilings and so on and so forth
0: what we've mentioned a few of these buzzwords here we've spoken about slab the slab being down slab down that's a progress payment that you'll pay as a client then we'll have plate height that's another progress payment milestone then you mentioned roof cover so that's the third progress payment we get to out of generally the five progress payments so once it's roof cover the next milestone we're looking to get to is is lock up so what happens between those two
1: Correct. So yeah, from roof cover to lock up, you will then go, depending so a lot of builders, like the one I work for, if you're doing painting in the contracts through us, we'll dry line. We have the same company do the whole lot. So they will, for example, just float and set. So you come in, you get your dry line or your float, then you'll get your as white As a plasterer. Set. Yep, as a plasterer. Then you'll get your Rock team in to do your ceilings. Then the plaster back to do the white set, or sometimes they'll do it before the ceilings, depending, you know, each company does it, that's a little bit different. And then once you've got your set now done, then you get your windows in, or your glazing, and generally glazing, you lock up, you know, basically the same time, the same week, and then that's when you hit lock up. So all your doors are in, your shelving's in, Uh, all your glazings in and you you, from there as most clients probably be aware and and aren't familiar with or don't like is that they can't just get into the house and that's what i was going to say that's the first time when
0: you can't have a sneaky look (laughs) yeah exactly so um that's important though because it's about the security of the site from then on because after that you start getting some expensive gear going in yeah
1: exactly you you know even just little things like shelving sometimes a trade might leave some hardware that he needs there for the overnight to come back next day yeah it's easy to steal and then Again, what most people don't realize is the cost of that then goes back to the builder. So, and then uh, this is probably something we could talk about another time, but owner supplied goods. So, you know, just say owner supplied bath and basins and things like that. If they get dropped to site, that's what we say. We take no responsibility for them because if they were to get stolen, that's a lot of money that the builder just wears. We can't insurance claim $500, $400. It's, so that's quite literally coming out of the bottom line of the builders. Yeah,
0: and every builder has a bit of that that they wear every year, isn't it? So yeah. A lot of oh. theft, actually, to most people's surprise. A lot of stuff gets stolen, doesn't it? Yeah, unbelievable amounts, even just damage. What's some of the weirdest stuff you've seen gone missing?
1: So years ago, I actually went to Europe over the Christmas holidays and I come back and I had this home in Harrisdale ready to PCI just before, do the, the handover meeting just before uh, Christmas. And the clients had to go back to India for family reasons, all good. So I've come back from Europe, going around the house just to make sure it was ready to go, and went to turn the aircon on, and the aircon didn't turn on. I was like, "Oh, what's going on here? Maybe the power's out." No, the lights are all on. Anyway, done you know fault fine, gone outside, and, and the unit on the roof had been stolen. Wow! And there's just a big hole in the roof with roof tiles poured out around it, and
0: I. And that's the builder has to wear that, right? The Builder wears that. Yeah, um, and that's thousands of dollars. Yeah.
1: So with with you know higher cost things, we can there are avenues we can do to try and help but most of the time it's not super high amounts you know it'll be smash windows things like that it's probably mm-hmm. a more extreme version of normally it's or kids a whole water un- throwing yeah.
0: rocks at windows
1: so like another builder down the road from some of my sites the other week was on the main road in belmont and set of three units and the windows were smashed repeatedly because i drive past and see new windows put in and smash again again it's just the builder we don't. We can't pass that on to you. Obviously, once it's in construction, you, you prices everything's fixed. So very uh, frustrating. It must yeah. be
0: especially for the smaller builders where every dollar counts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's these guys are estimating, scheduling, and and pricing his jobs a lot closer than what a bigger builder would. It'd oh, be painful. Not to mention frustrating. You know, no one wants to. It's like mopping the floor, and then someone works in with dirty boots. You gotta do it all over again. Yep. It's, it's you know trades find it frustrating. We find it frustrating
0: the emails then you got the materials talking about that traffic of people when especially when you're in this stage how many trades do you reckon you'd have on site at a time and how many could you have one thing point of frustration a lot of our clients have including me is that there's a perception that the builder could be going a lot faster than they are because you know you see shows like the block where you've got five or six seven eight trades on at the same time they seem to be getting it done might not be the safest thing in the world but it's happening it, They you can get it done and generally you'll see maybe one team at a site per day in a lot of days no teams at all hmm. and that can be really frustrating for a client do you have any commentary on to how well it can be in the best of times and you know what generally the accepted number of sub years at a time would be
1: it's the again i love the block just just love scotty he goes right, <laughs> but. uh like that place, to work on that, I watched that show and I think I oh, would have a nervous breakdown on there. There's so much going on and there's so much that you don't see behind the scenes as well. Obviously, their safety and compliance would have to be through the roof, for their insurances and whatnot. But a lot of the time, it's there's a, just a process to the way you do things. So you've got to get your brickwork finished first. Once you've got that done, then you can get your site ready for the timber. You can't have a bobcat there while you got your bricklayers out the front mixing mud and trying to make their piles. You know, there's there's a process to everything to try and. It's, it's not even to make life easier for trades. It's safety. You got to be safe these days. You know, if someone falls backwards on a brick and and hurts themselves badly. It's, it's costly to them as well as us you know and it just isn't isn't what you want you want everyone to go home safe so as long as it's safe you can have quite a number of trades on site but things like guys working above other guys you know you don't want someone working around on the ground a plumber for example then you've got a chippy above him with a nail gun and quite often guys will work in together you know they'll get along it's no drama but you do need to draw a line between what's safe as well.
0: Things like the cabinet maker and the tiler can they not be there at the same time?
1: Again, there's process. So your cabinets go in, then you get your tile screed done. So there's not really much point him being there. Again, the tiler doesn't get paid multiple trips. He gets paid there to go do his job. So, just say he lives in yeah he lives in Hammond Park and he's driving up to Midland to do a job. If he's got to go there four times, that's a lot of his time. He's probably going to charge yeah. more. Yep. He wants to go there when the cabinets are in, stands there, bricks are there, so he can just do his screed waterproofed than tile it's, so
0: there are ways possibly to make this faster but most of them are quite impractical
1: yeah and it's just not efficient it's it's not so much not efficient for the builder but it's just not efficient for the trades it's not cost wise it's not it's just not that viable yeah. so you can you know again like you say you can have painters on site you can have floor, you know flooring guys on site you can have um, a fixing carpenter doing some shelving on site while your tile is there you can have certain trades as long as it's safe and they're not in each other's way but the biggest things yeah you, you know you can't really do too much and you don't want to do things too early either because like your texture coating if you get your texture coating on exterior generally your front elevations for you render yeah your color coat or whether it's painted render or your texture coat coat if you get it done too early it just gets damaged you know especially lighter colors just get trampled with mud trampled with dirt and um, and again then that comes back to the builder they either have to recode it or touch it up, whatever it might be. So then it's just not efficient to do that early. Yeah.
0: It seems like a lot of these processes are based on a lot of experience of things yeah. going wrong and it's fine-tuned to a point of generally practicality and de-risking it. Probably not 100%. It's probably sitting at 80% of what you could do. But... You know, that extra 20% really is just building in a lot of really practical, pragmatic outcomes for people. Yeah. Which is probably that 20% that most people don't really understand the outcomes, the, the what-ifs, uh, and then they get frustrated because they see it. In, in reality, it could happen, but it probably shouldn't happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and again, for the client, and I, I absolutely see it from, from their point of view as well, is That that's their centre of their universe. That's you know that every day home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I hear it almost daily that you know my wife's pregnant. We're renting and have a couple kids. Whatever you know, everyone's got different circumstances, but doesn't help the situation we're in. At the end of the day, there's a job to be done. It's got to be done right. Not only right, it's got to be done you know to standard. It's got to be done quickly, but still efficiently and you know trades have other jobs as well and that's what i was going to yeah, say they, as we a, can't just have them sitting on hand like the block yeah for example those guys are they're, they're on call. yeah yeah there's a tv show so yeah. they're they you know that's going to trump any other work that they've got going on yeah and as um, so as
0: a construction supervisor you can do your best but at the end of the day you are beholden to the availability of the subbies you've got how do you select your trades do you have a little black book personally that you build up over time of guys that have done well good jobs and are reliable do you get told by your boss who your approved people are and their rates so that you don't go and hire someone that's too expensive does that then restrict you in terms of wanting to move faster because you you know but unfortunately a whole bunch of blokes just aren't available how practically does it work for you and and what are the restrictions do you have to be able to move things forward
1: that's that's quite a gray area because at nearly every single builder there'll be certain contractors that are pre-contracted so there's already a business agreement with you know yeah. most of them will be electricians plumbers uh certain companies will own plastering teams or you know have in-house teams try like Rock companies Roofing. as well yeah yep. it's the same thing there's quite a lot of ones that are just out of our control you know that's who you use and you need to work in with them as best as you can so the main ones that the supervisor will have is your bricklayers roof carpenters sometimes roof sheeters depending some again a lot of builders will use a one-stop shop for all their roof covers and roof plumbing you're fixing carpenters sometimes plasterers, tilers again there's not too many more pavers painters fencing but, yeah you can but again i, I know a lot of builders that just have the one contractor preferred they're reliable landscapers yeah landscapers and again we don't do a huge amount i've done a few display homes well i've done quite a number for different builders but yeah you generally have your main contract because they're reliable you, you can vouch for the work you've seen it um and again with the trades if i need a new trade i'll generally ring it's one of the guys i work with and go hey mate have you got a tyler you know my guys are booked out and i trust their judgment see they've been doing the job quite a while as well you trust the judgment of other people you mm-hmm. work with and if you really would need to or you get a new trade you want to try a new guy fail safe go check his work. The
0: buck stops with you at the end of the day, doesn't it yeah
1: if that works you know, if that works Shoddy. poor I might, it might not always agree with the clients I've had some clients that aren't satisfied and you will never make everyone happy but there's some work where yeah it's crap and I'll walk in and go that's shit do it again put that tiles on the angle or you know that bit above the door frame is crap do, uh, Scrape it off do it properly do it you know spend a bit of time so again if you look at how much physical human labour goes into building a house to expect perfect you know, like the old phrase you get would you buy a Lamborghini with a scratch on it it's made with a machine that's to a thousandth of a millimeter. Yeah. A home, a brick is laid by hand. The, the brick itself is not one hundredth of a millimeter square and straight. So you got to be reasonable as well, but at the same time expect good quality. Yeah, and, everyone's best effort. Yeah, and I expect what I build is, what I'd expect in my home. So I don't go there and go, I expect perfection. I expect what I would have, what I would be happy yeah, sniff to pay for yep. myself.
0: So we're at lockup, and right now the house looks like... Uh, pretty ugly exterior with your maxi bricks haven't been rendered probably your windows haven't got any treatments there's no landscaping it's just a sandpit and inside it's just a big concrete jungle mm. that's where it is at, at lock up right what happens next
1: so you can this is the point where things can be done on the outside so generally you get your cabinetry and so you pay after your painter. he comes in undercoats everything so you're not getting an undercoat on cabinets and tiles and all that he gets all of his undercoating done then you would start getting your plumber in. So we get all the sandy plumbing done. So the bath install or fixtures that need to be in for cabinetry. Then your cabinetry goes in. Then your tiler, he'll come in, do the screed, get it all level. Then that's generally when you have your meeting with your supervisor on site or a manager on site, if, you know depending who it is. Generally when your waterproofing's done. So you're ready to tile, but you'll have a tile meeting slash lockout meeting where you go through with the supervisor and tiler, confirm all your tile selections, colors, layout. Some tiles have a linear, so you want to make sure the tiles are going a certain way to match their timber flooring in the living room, things like that. But on the outside, then you've got, yeah, obviously, you like your render, your external render. Then you've got your color coat that goes on that as well, which is your texture. Then you get your garage hard stand put down, the garage door gets measured. Yeah, there's, there's a whole heap of things from there. A lot there. of stuff happening at that yeah, point in time. Exactly but this right. is
0: where it really transformed in from a house to a home. Exactly.
1: But again, a lot of things that clients won't see done they won't know that someone's come and measured the garage door. They won't know that someone's come and measured for the blinds. They won't know that you know certain things are being done, small things, but it's part of the process. So again, I've yeah you know, I've seen jobs blow out, and I'm sure you've probably seen jobs blow out and take a long time. But there are factors to it. It's not just because all mates sitting at home can't be bothered. There are, you know there are always factors. Again, job I've had this week baths on back order for three weeks, so I can't complete the tiling in the bathroom because of that which means i can't then get the plumber back to fit off all the tapware and yeah again it just compounds so yeah all i always say to clients is try and be just reasonable and just yeah a little bit patient if you can because there's there's often a lot of factors that you never know about that contribute to things
0: i guess you've seen a lot of color choices and tile choices where you laugh and go what is going on here yeah but essentially you double check it with the clients and they're happy and
1: yeah absolutely i've had some very interesting cabinetry colors blues with green tiles and yeah i've had to stand back go let me just double check that um this can't be right yeah or same thing laminate bench tops and all your cabinetry underneath all the same color so it's just a big yeah a big blur um or they'll spend a lot of money on one particular thing in the house and then Check that. It's you know, quite a cheaper thing compared to that. And again, you just double check the addenda. If even if the addenda says it, sometimes I find personally I'm trying to be on the front foot. So if I think it's or it's just not right, just doesn't hurt to ask the question. Doesn't yeah. hurt to go back to you and go, Hey Trent, you sure that's the bath you chose or that's the tile? And you get a lot yeah, cheaper to fix this problem yeah. now than after exactly. Afterwards. And you go, Oh More no, that's not the tile I that. selected. Let's yeah. um, yeah, hang on. Let me speak to my wife. Let's reselect. That's not exactly what we wanted. It doesn't hurt to ask a question. Um, And like I said to clients, if you see something, don't feel bad. Even if it's what you perceive as a dumb question, it's just you don't know. You could be a dentist and something that you think is easy. I have no idea about it. So just ask the question.
0: I think there's a lot of situations there where the builder will just throw it down and say, well, didn't ask the question. This is what you ordered a year and a half ago. And it's mm-hmm. just way out of spec now. Yeah. And unfortunately, that happens a lot with the project builders. They don't have that time and love and that personal touch. But I think when you do have those supervisors who do take it seriously and go, look, guys, just start making sure, you know, this is the one you wanted. Yeah. If you didn't, we can swap it now. I think that makes so much of a difference. Yeah, exactly right.
1: And it's, it's not too late and... Again, it it can affect so many different things. So I call you and say, "Hey, you know, are you sure this is exactly what you want?" "Yep, good. That's what we've discussed." "Okay, I might not like it, but at the end of the day, it's it's your home." And again, Mm -hmm. that's so many people go, "Oh, what do you think?" I'm like, "Doesn't matter what I think. It's it's your home. You've got to live here, not me." "Yep." I'll build it to what I would accept, but again, everyone's different, you know. And I've just I've been taught to be proactive, not reactive. So rather than react to a situation, generally, it's going to cost more take longer to fix or more hassle to overcome you identify so a lot of the times i've overcome a situation with a phone call
0: next step after all this has been done so the paint tiles cabinet electrician everyone's done their work it really starts to pretty much look like a done job generally per house this should take even a single house eight to nine months right now if it's a two-story house could be a year could yeah, be more probably in excess of a year yeah. at the moment yeah uh, yep so that once we got to that stage, we're at practical completion. What does that mean?
1: So, practical completion is like like the word suggests, is when the home is practically complete and we're prepared to present it to you. There is a process to this. So, you do a first inspection or a first walkthrough, then a second. Uh, the first is uh, yeah, quite literally meant to be where you walk through, we'll go through the home with you, show you the windows, the mechanisms, show you the ovens and the drawers, and go through the whole what lot.
0: What we're doing here is making sure that everything works. Correct. Yeah. And that everything's schmick. Yep. And generally, it'll be how
1: we're going to hand home over to you. So everything that's in your contract that, you know, as, as per your addenda and plans and contract that you've you've paid for is what we've, we've delivered. Generally, the idea of the first and second inspection is to identify any cosmetic issues or, you know, or anything that might need to be touched up more or improved on or you're not happy with. It's generally the finer things right at that last point that you sort out. Then we meet again, show you what's been done based on the first inspection. Make generally, sure it's all been done. Yeah, generally it's a seamless process. And then that's where you can then go to the office, get your keys and say, pay your last bill.
0: Your yep. And then you get your keys and then and then that's that's handover.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. so key handover is then when you and I would finish on site. From there, there's a, there's a grace period where if you have any issues that might come up, I'll still deal with it. But then after that, you would generally go to a maintenance department who will then take care of your warranties and you know any issues that might come up after that.
0: And that's different per builder, right? The standard, yeah, each, each the standard builder has with their own. the HIA is about six years. Yep. But some builders will give 20, 25 years, won't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. And again, like lifetime structural warranties is getting far more common. There's some builders where I'm aware of now that if you sell the home, the warranty is transferred with that sale. I don't know how many of them are out there, but that is a big factor for a lot of people to build a home is to know that well you know that that gets transferred that's that's a pretty big thing mm. so you're not built buying a home and it's just like anything that happens wrong with it is on you
0: carl this has been a fantastic chat I'm working for half an hour from start to finish appreciating the role of a construction supervisor but then also appreciating the process and, and what you do in your job every day and clearly you're passionate about it. you clearly know your stuff so thank you so much for coming in. I reckon we'll have another chat about what's going on right now in Perth in twenty twenty one. Uh what really makes your life tough, what's changed. We might also talk about the practical completion inspection and how to as a as a client, as an owner, how to really get the most out of that.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Again, the more you know, the more education you have, the more it's gonna be in your favour. And again, it's not a not a hugely overly complex situation, but preparation is everything. Organization preparation
0: is key. Carl Hardy White, thank you very much, Matt. I really appreciate you coming in to all those builders out there. Uh, Make sure you remember this guy's name. You'll want him. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburbs spotlights. Happy hunting.